We are back. We are back. We are back. That is true. We are back. That is the new intro for all the podcasts on the network that me and Todd are involved in because it just makes sense. It works, and there's some stuff coming up soon with that, so stay tuned. Um, yeah, we are live. Week 9 is coming up. Week 8 is in the books. That means we are about halfway through the season, depending on the team. Um, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome first eight weeks. So, Todd, what have you learned in the first eight weeks? Besides the Jets sucking, um, the NFC East is awful. Um, there, there are only a few good teams. We've said this before, but there's really a core group of like four or five teams that are really legit Super Bowl contenders, and the rest you kind of can just – throw aside like kind of like the bills you can throw aside just a lot of fake teams in the league yeah and for me i think it has to be that we are on the verge of a kansas city chiefs dynasty um they're really good and i know we're coming off a week where they beat the jets and obviously that doesn't mean much but they covered a 19 and a half point spread which doesn't seem like crazy because it's the Jets, but that's a lot of points to cover against NFL team. Um, so it is it is a big deal. And we also learned that the Steelers are for real. Uh, every team that's been faced against them, they've just beat right through. Whether it was the Titans, who we'll talk about them later. I'm not – I'm kind of getting a little shy on the Titans, but uh, the Ravens they beat now and Ravens or whatever. But this is just good win after good win for the Steelers. It's kind of hard to overlook that defense. and the way they're playing. So that is what I'm, I, I've learned so far through these first eight weeks. And at the end of the show, we will give you our mid-season award picks. That'll be the end of the show. We'll save that for last. We'll jump right into the game so we're not missing a beat here. Starting off, we have the Thursday night football game. We have this: the Green Bay Packers heading to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Packers are seven-point favorite. The Packers, the over-under is 48 and a half. This game's interesting. There's a lot going on. Uh, the Packers will be without John, uh, Jamal Williams um, and possibly Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams due to COVID. Aaron Jones still with injury. Uh, and if it's deemed that A.J. Dillon is still at risk, he may miss the game too because he was in the same room as Jamal Williams. 49ers have had a few today drop out for COVID reasons. Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, and one more who I am blanking on, but they are missing a bunch of guys. Both teams mentioned a bunch of guys. It's going to be an interesting game. Todd, what you got on it? Yeah, um, I think Packers win this game pretty handily. I expect that line to move quite a bit more, actually. Maybe not quite a bit more, but I expect that line to move. Um, Packers looked a little shaky last week. It kind of another game where they're coming back to earth a little bit. And their defense has had some holes in it this season, as they characteristically do. Um, obviously, 49ers are decimated by the injury bug, as they kind of have been all season. It'll be interesting to see, you know, with, with Nick Mullins probably getting getting the call there with the whole Jimmy G situation that could make things a little interesting on in terms of Green Bay's preparation on the short week. Of course, there's plenty of film out there on Nick Mullins. He's been around the block as an NFL backup. He's a 
pretty serviceable quarterback that is worthy of having a game plan for. So I think the Packers will be prepared on that front, but I still think there are plenty of holes in their offense. I believe the 49ers are also going to be without George Kittle this week. Yeah, for a while. So he's out for, I think, probably the rest of the season, I thought. I'm yeah. pretty sure I heard something like that just about, if not just like very late on in the season. So of the Packers winning this game pretty handily. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of at the same point. I think the Niners told you a lot this week uh, when they traded their middle linebacker, uh, Juan Alexander, to the – oh, man, why am I drawing a blank? The Saints. To the Saints. So there's a traded their, their linebacker to the Saints. They released Dante Pettis, who they were trying to trade. I think with – and then you lose Garoppolo. You lose Kittle majority for, for the majority of the season. I think they're trying to tell us something that they're kind of done with this season. Um, they're kind of – have dealt with injuries literally since week one. Um, week two was their start of the horror show against the Jets when they lost Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa. The start of Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert was injured originally there too. So a bunch of guys, and they blamed it on turf, and it continues to happen. So I don't know if it's still the turf's fault. With that being said, the Packers did have a terrible game against the Vikings, which if you remember on the podcast last week, I did predict that the Vikings were going to play that game close. Hit that bet. Um, but I don't see – I think the Packers are a very, very, very good team. And very, very good teams don't lose two in a row, especially against teams that are bad. I think this is a Packers route. Um, I do believe that they will come to play. And it doesn't matter who's on the field, they are going to demolish that 49ers team. Uh, Packers can rush the passer. And without Trent Williams blocking on the left side, that's going to be a major issue for Nick Mullins a guy who doesn't have much mobility to get get himself away from the rush. I think it's a bad recipe. Um, I originally liked this game going over, uh, but, yeah, I'll stick with the over. I think somehow, some way it finds itself there. I'll, I'll stick with the over. But I do think Packers' route is on. And um, I also think, you know, we're talking about this game, you know, possibly the issue with COVID. I, I don't know if this is a difference from week one, week two, where – their precautions and their regulations have just increased. But I feel like the fact that it's a primetime game is making them want to play it more. I feel like this was a one o'clock game on a Sunday where there was 30 other games, 10 of the games being played. They wouldn't blink an eye and they would cancel it. I, I don't know. I just think the regulations are all messed up right now. Yeah. Packers Niners is kind of a marquee matchup too. Those are two name brands in the league. So taking them out of Thursday night slot on a short notice is, a little tricky, so I think they're just going to play it with what they can. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would assume tomorrow morning will be a big day when they do their second the round of testing for the day because their, their, their cases came up, I think, today or yesterday. So we'll definitely, definitely, definitely see what goes on there. Moving on to the next game, we have the Chicago Bears heading to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans are six-point favorites. Over under 46 and a half. Todd, what do you got? We'll see more of my thoughts on the Titans come come around later in some of the later segments. Um, Titans, I think, obviously didn't have a great week last week playing playing a Bengals team that I think can show up in spurts. They're not a great team, obviously, but Joe Burrow is a pretty talented guy. He can air the ball out, and I think they got caught off guard a little bit by that there. And, inexperienced team in terms of 
the week to week preparation that there is in the NFL and not kind of not getting themselves or, or making sure that they're going full blast every single week. That's, you know, like teams, not anymore, but teams like the Patriots and teams like that were more accustomed to doing that. And while the Titans have won consistently over the past year or two or three, they're not quite there in terms of that culture of success. So I think that kind of bit them a little bit last week. That being said, I think the Bears are going on the wrong direction. They're going pretty south pretty quickly. The Titans covering this, I think six and a half is the right line. I think that's pretty much right on the money. I have the under hitting just because I think Titans will kind of slog this out with Derrick Henry where it'll just be because Ryan Tannehill kind of regressed a little last week. Obviously, I don't think that's a major cause for concern because he's kind of exercised those demons that he had in in Miami. As Jets fans would like to call it, the Gaze Freedom Watch. So I think they'll figure some middle of the ground type game plan around there that'll be sort of ground and pound, just giving Derrick Henry the rock 30 times. So I think the under hits and Titans cover or Titans outright. Yeah, I think this is a weird game. Um, I feel like the Bears defense is extraordinarily good. Uh, they set the tone every single play, whether it's Mac, whether it's Hicks, whether it's Eddie Jackson making plays on the back end. They played in a game on Sunday against the Saints where it was a dogfight, and they, they fought hard in that game. The offense was not worth a, a, a damn. And I think we talked so much about Mitch getting benched for Foles, and that was the play. I'm almost leaning to go back to Mitch. I think their offensive line – could has, happen. Their offensive line has been so putrid that you need somebody that can remove the pocket a little bit. And you saw in the last play of the game, Foles just couldn't escape the rush. And if it's Trubisky, he may make that first down. Um, so I think things like that start to add up. Like I said, though, I like the Bears defense, and the Titans have been uh, weird to me. They've been curious to me because they win these games that they should be winning, barely, and then they lose games they also should be winning. So I don't know what to make of the Titans. Um, they obviously can run the ball well, but I don't think that's the recipe this week. I think if – I think – let me rephrase that. If they can run it successfully, then, yes, it is definitely the recipe to get out of that game, keep it low win by four or five, and head out of town. I do think that could be a recipe, but I don't think the Bears will allow you to just bully them. So Derrick Henry, you saw when they played, I believe it was the Steelers, for most of that game until the end, he was pretty much shut down. The Steelers had a great recipe for him. I expect a veteran defense under Chuck Pagano, like the Bears, to have something ready for Derrick Henry. I think the Bears cover. I think the Titans win. I think it's a similar game to last week. I'd say 23-20 in that realm, 20-21-17. Um, so I will say Bears cover, Titans win, and I will take the under because I think there's not a lot of points here. I think it's a pretty pretty uh, physical game that comes out. The winner will win this game in the end. The last two minutes, I think somebody will take the lead, maybe on a field goal or something. Um, quarterbacks, quarterbacks playing the Titans have the – or quarterbacks playing the Bears have the fifth worst rating in the league. Um, Bears run defense is 
pretty middle of the road. Mm. So I expect the Titans to give Derrick Henry the rock a lot. So I'm going against you here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I I just feel like a good defense, a veteran defense like the Bears, like the Steelers, like um, I'm trying to think of any other team that have dominated the Ravens to an extent. Um, they can no matter what their percentages are against their owner pass, I feel like in a game like this, they can show up and just put their dominant players on Derrick Henry all day and make the Titans beat them in the air, which the Titans very well might. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't begrudge you for feeling the other way. This is not one of those where I'm going to argue because I don't think it's argue worth, like it was Jets Chiefs last week, that you did lose. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't gotten to, into an argument here yet. Um, we'll, we'll work something in. By the way, going in before we get to Game Three, it's something I have to tell you guys before uh, the picks against the spread. Um, I cut the lead Ooh. last week. I went. Why is it not updated? I didn't put mine in. All right, sorry. This is this is the pro. This is with live editing, guys. This is fun. This is a blast. I went six, seven, and one. Todd went four, nine, and one. So I I cut the lead here. Or no, I took the lead. I took the lead. I am 37, 47, and two. Todd is 36, 48, and two. So oh, I took a one game lead going into week nine. So we got a lot to play here. My lock won again last week. So I believe it did. take my lock, people. You know, yeah, ride is, with the lock. Todd is now five and two with his lock. And I believe I am three and five. Total, so you take the one week out, so still uh, three and four, I think. So not great, but getting in to the third game of the evening, we have the Seattle Seahawks heading to the Buffalo Bills. The Seahawks come in at three and a half point favorites. Over under is fifty five. This is a weird one. This is a game where I know you're gonna feel differently. Um, I'm starting to get yeah. that weird belief back for the Buffalo Bills. I understand they beat a banged up, and I guess I'll start it here. I guess that's the road we're heading down here. Um, I understand that they beat a team in the Patriots that probably isn't worth a damn. And if I was a Jet fan wanting Lawrence, I'd be a little worried about Monday night. Just a touch. Very worried. This might be one of the most winnable games they have surprisingly it may be more winnable than either one of the Miami games one of them is obviously gone Patriots looked rough they looked very rough and I believe we'll talk about them later obviously um but I think the Bills have something there I I, I don't think they're this dominant team I don't think no. Josh Allen is this dominant quarterback but there's something about the whole system they're running there that seems to work and I just feel like Seattle is, an, is just, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Seattle. Their defense is really troubling to me. Uh, they, they're having trouble. It's seemingly weekly. I mean, they look good last week, but seemingly weekly we're talking about Seattle's defense, and that, that scares me. Um, so in this game, I, I'm going to take the Bills in the plus three. I think the Bills win this outright. I think they could take this game away from Seattle. And they can make it their game, and that's their recipe to win. I'm going to take the under. I don't think there's a lot of points to be had here. Um, but I, I just like the Bills here. I don't know how to describe it. I think they can run them out of town, and 
I'll take the Bills. Wow. Um, wow. I almost I almost made the Seahawks my lock of the week. I couldn't. I wasn't going to take them two weeks in a row. Um, Josh Allen is crap. I don't understand. If I were the Bills and you're as talented as a team as they are in other positions, yeah, they'll probably win this division just because every other team in the AFC suddenly is pretty not so great, although the Dolphins, I think, could make some noise. Um, I know what you're about to say. I, I know what you're about I to say. I would consider I know what you're figuring say. out a way to draft one of the top quarterbacks in this draft if I were the Buffalo Bills. If they want to be a great team, that's what they need. You really Josh are. Allen, you really are a New York fan. We do this in New York. Josh we Allen push guys out staff. way too soon. He's in year – listen, he's in year what, four? Then why are we pushing Sam Darnold out? They're because just as bad. They're equal. They're both you, – You're going to sit there. You're going to sit there and say that Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are equal in what they've produced at the end Josh of the level. Josh Allen in an Adam Gase offense, and he's going to be – Dog shit. He's 16 touchdowns, five interceptions, 102.4 passer rating this year. What? His last last four games. Because I pulled up good. the stats. Yeah, his last four games have not been good. Last four games, four touchdowns, four interceptions. His passer rating the first four games was they were 104.6, 146.7 one week, 128.9, 115.8. First four weeks, great. He was front runner, one of the main contenders for MVP at that point, playing out of his mind. Last four weeks, 77.6, 73.4, 90 against the Jets. Last week, 65.5. He's thrown for 263 yards, 122 yards, 307 yards against the Jets, and 154 last week. Yards per attempt going way down. The week that he balled out against Miami, he had nearly 12 yards per attempt. So we're playing with a different Josh Allen now. Seahawks minus three is pretty easy. In terms of the seasonal rankings of the Bills, in terms of offense, they're, because it's cumulative and Josh Allen played out of his mind those first four weeks, I believe they were their top 10 in passing offense, I believe, in terms of yards per attempt, they are 10th. In terms of rushing, they are like 22nd or something. So they're going to have to, they're 20th. So they're going to have to rely way more on their run game against a Seattle team that plays ball control better than anybody else as we've we've seen they they get sloppy at the end of games i was a little scared about my lock going into going into last week or towards the end of the game last week they didn't make me feel too comfortable so i would be a little concerned if the spread was a little larger here but seahawks also have the fifth best run defense in in the league if you're ranking by yards per attempt so the Bills are going to have to run the ball if they want to win. 
which I don't think they're at all capable of. I have the over hitting just because I think Seahawks can't play defense and Seahawks outright. I think I think the Dolphins could overtake. Somebody here in the AFC East, this division is not over. I don't think a lot of people, and I'll put you in that list, fully, oh, I'm under, a lot of people. fully understand how hard it is Uh-oh. in the NFL to find a quarterback. I don't think yeah, – it is. So you have a guy that's thrown 46 touchdowns in his career, 46 touchdowns to 26 picks. That is over a 2-to-1 ratio. Career 84.5, which you can go either way on. That's pretty middle of the road. Guy, you're going to move on from and not give him the chance to grow. He has, and listen, I, I have been in the past. Anyone who knows me can, can talk to this. I said it week one. At week one, I thought Darnold and Josh Allen were on similar trajectories. I don't, I think we are so far beyond that. Do I think Darnold's done? Do I, we'll talk about him later. But do I think Darnold's done and has nothing left to give? No, I think he's got plenty of opportunity. I think he'll go to a new home and he'll be very happy. And I think there's still a chance for success. Josh Allen has one of the best arms in the league. Maybe the best powerful arm in the league going downfield. His arm is unreal. Accuracy, a major issue. But is, and I say is, I don't, I don't say this as if it's certainty, but is there a chance that he can grow that arm to be more accurate. As soon as he does that, they can unleash that deep ball in a different way. It changes the dynamic of that offense. I feel like we live in a world where you don't get any results for one year. You want them out of there. That works for coaches. That works for kickers. That works for free safeties. That does not work for quarterbacks. It is way too hard to find one. The Jets have went over, I would say, 50, almost 50 years without a franchise quarterback for a multitude of reasons. Poor drafting, issues with injury, because I think if Chad Pennington stays healthy, he could have been that guy that we're talking about on a different level. But it's so hard to find. And I, I don't know. I think it's just extremely hard to run somebody out of town when they're being productive. That's how I feel. If you take away those four games from Josh Allen, because those four games may very well be just a complete anomaly. Ah, blah, words. Anomaly. Four words. So, I don't know. I wouldn't get fooled into Josh Allen. I I feel like Josh Allen is such a heated topic of discussion here because you have never liked – Josh Allen. Nope. From the start. So from I feel draft like, night. I didn't want them to take – I didn't want the Jets to take Josh Allen on draft night. Did not. I think Josh Allen would fit better in the Gaze offense, personally. Because I think he's a guy that can make plays happen with his feet. He would – I just – I don't know. And it, I well, guess Adam Gase wants – Adam Gase wants a Peyton Manning statue in, in – as his quarterback in his offense, which there's only – about two quarterbacks who can play the Peyton Manning style, and one of them is Peyton Manning. Oh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Jets. We're going to talk about the Jets. Oh, I know. Let's move on here. We have the Baltimore Ravens heading to the Indianapolis Colts. Ravens come in at two-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under is 47. Weird one here. Uh, 
you have two teams that I don't know what to say. I, you, you know how I feel about the Ravens. I feel like they are a little overrated this year. I think they do have their flaws. Starting to fix those flaws a little bit. I thought they played pretty good for the most part against the Steelers. Obviously, they lose that game, but they looked better um, down the stretch. I actually thought that was a game they could steal. Again, Steelers proved me wrong, so I'm fully on the Steelers now. Then you go to the Colts. And the Colts are a team that have won some really good games in some tight spots, and they've also lost some games that were really bad. They put themselves in a big hole by losing those games. So they are that 50-50 team. They feel, it's weird to say, but they feel like a Phillip Rivers team. It just, you could just, if I could somehow black out or block out, black out, block out, the quarterback position for the Colts and just watch their games and not see like who it is, I can almost feel like I could predict that it's a Phillip Rivers team. They're in every game, but then they lose it. And they're right there and then they lose it or they win it. And it's just, that's the kind of style of game he plays. And that's kind of where the Colts are right now. This, and I'm taking a flyer here, but there are a lot of lines this week that I'm not huge fans of. This is my lock of the week. I have, yeah, Ravens minus two and a half, taking the over, and Ravens outright. I just smell something about this game coming off what I've been tending to do with my locks is I take a good team coming off of a loss. That's kind of my formula. That's the secret formula here, folks. It's not rocket science. Just look at teams in the upper echelon of the league coming off of a loss. And this was a loss that was, you know, it was a close game, obviously, between the Steelers. It came came down to the wire. Um, so I expect the Ravens, if, you know, if it was a one of those deflating losses that, you know, can kind of linger on for weeks where it's, you get completely destroyed or you just don't show up or like something boneheaded happened at the end, then maybe that lingers on for a couple of weeks. This was just a kind of last week's game was just a game between two high quality teams where one team had to win and Steelers squeaked it out at the end. I think Ravens will smell blood here. They're trying to stay along with the Steelers just to make sure that they keep pace in that division. I have Ravens covering pretty pretty easily here. I think these are these are two of the five best defenses in the league where Colts are third ranked overall in terms of yards per play. Ravens are fifth. When you go to pass defense, Ravens are the second best pass defense, which could come into play in the in the Phillip Rivers style offense. And a lot of the wide receivers in Phillip Rivers style offenses have not delivered as a plate. And I've been feeling that on one of my fantasy teams where I drafted T. Y. Hilton pretty pretty high up and he just hasn't been getting getting the exposure he he needs so i'm a little upset so taking the ratings here yeah this one for me is weird um it 
I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to take the Ravens from the start here. I'll take, take them outright, take the points. Um, I do like the over here as well. Um, something about – I mean, I, I, I wanted to touch on your point. Sorry, before I went any further. You said that they're the team that, you know, they don't lose two in a row. Are we sure they're at that level of team that they can't lose two in a row to two average teams or one good team and one great team? They're coached by a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, I think the culture there is in place where where he's not going to let them go off track. Um, Lamar Jackson's a gamer. If you look back in my Twitter history, actually, in December of 2017, I had sent DMs to the Jets requesting that they draft Lamar Jackson. So maybe if they listened to me, the team would be in a different position. And yeah, I think I think they'll figure it out. I think the problem with Lamar Jackson that worries me is I think he is shown and I don't, I don't want to go too crazy, but it almost feels like he's hit a ceiling. When you watch him play, he does things and makes mistakes that you're almost questioning yourself. Has he hit his limitation? Now there is that mindset of me saying Josh Allen has room to grow of course, logically, I can't say Lamar Jackson doesn't have room to grow. That's not fair. But because Lamar hit that pinnacle or what we thought was pinnacle so fast, I just feel like I watch him play and he looks like the same player with the same little mistakes. And it almost worries me. It almost goes, have we seen him do all he can progression-wise? Now, if he stays at this level for the next 10 years, of course, he's a consistently good quarterback that's going to get you places. But is it enough with a guy like him? Because you saw last year against Tennessee, if a team comes at you with a game plan to stop Lamar, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. And I know they added Dobbins. I know they've added Des Bryant now. I thought they should have added one more receiver. I think they needed it. I think Mark Andrews has been very good for them. Defense is seemingly getting better as the games go on. So, of course, I'm not – done with the Ravens. I think they still have a lot of season, obviously, and they are a team that should threaten in the AFC if they if all things come together. I just get worried with them a little bit. I did tell you weeks ago, I was so on the Colts, and then they pissed me off for three straight weeks. So I don't care. I am done with the Colts, and especially against a team that's even if I think they're more towards average than good, like the Ravens, I'm still going to take the Ravens. I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take the over. I like it. I like it a lot. One stat that's a little concerning there, Baltimore only covers 22% of the time after a loss since 2018. But how many times has that spread been been two and a half? That's the wild card yep. there. Um, after a loss straight up since 2018, they're six and three. And they have the third best regular season record in the league since 2018. So, take all that into account. Yeah, I think that also that that spread is super low. I know sometimes that comes out almost as a bait, but I feel like part of me feels like we're liking that number or we're putting that number so low because the Colts just had a good, uh, I wouldn't even say a good win, but a, a win um, against Detroit, I believe they played. Detroit? The yeah. Yeah. So a win. I wouldn't say a good win, but a win. Um yeah, so, yeah, either way, we'll move on. We have the Sunday night football game. Sunday night football, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, game on. We have the New Orleans Here's the Saints. guy 
here's a guy. Here's a guy. But we have the New Orleans Saints heading to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New Orleans Saints are four-and-a-half-point underdogs. I don't know why I said them first. I meant to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the four-and-a-half-point favorites over under 51. And this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a really good one. Um, the Buccaneers, I thought they played – they didn't play their A game on Monday night. They didn't play their B game. They didn't play their C game. I felt like they played their D game. They came in sleepwalking, hoping to just come in, get a W, and go home. Um, and they needed to do more than that. And they did. They finished it out. Whatever you want to say about them playing bad against a Giants team, they were able to finish the game out. And able In a night where they weren't close to who they are, they got the win. And that's the most important thing in a game like that on the road. Um, the Saints are a team that I think – I feel like they're starting to hit a point where they're very good. They're starting to get into that sweet spot where they were last year and the year before. Defense is starting to kick. The offense is starting to flourish a little bit with a guy that still hasn't even returned yet in Michael Thomas. They're saying he could be back this week or next week. That's a huge threat to that offense when he comes back. That puts them at full health. Manuel Sanders eventually will be back from COVID. I think he's either back this week or next. Also, probably next week. So you have a team that's still getting healthy and a team that was banged up, a team that had issues, went to Chicago in a close game and pulled it out. I understand they were the better team and we expect them to, but those are the kind of games it felt like the Saints could lose early on. They lose that game against uh, Vegas on Monday night in week two, where Vegas just – Saints couldn't stop Vegas at all. And that was the whole story of the game. And I feel like the Saints have been that kind of team all year round where you're just like, I don't know about them. I, I just see the trajectory of them getting better. Now, now that I've fluffed up New Orleans a little bit, I am going to take Tampa here. I really like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The fact that they played as bad as they did on Monday night and still found a way to win against a team in the Giants that played pretty good for a bad team. Um, obviously, Daniel Jones makes some crucial mistakes down the stretch. He seems to like to throw interceptions. I've never seen anything like it. His accuracy is putrid. Um, and I do, I'm starting to think that if they have a top four, top three pick, that they may move on from Daniel Jones. Because not because of him. If this was any other draft, I don't think so. But I think if you have the chance and you have the two or three pick and you have a chance to get fields, I think you do that and you don't even blink. Um, there will be a new GM, I'm sure, for the Giants instead of Gettleman because Gettleman's going to be on his way out. So I see all that happening. I don't want to come too much with the Giants here. Back to the Buccaneers. Very good. Very good defense. Their offense seems to move when they need to. You add Antonio Brown, which I know he's been out of the league for about a year, over a year now. Um, but I think he's going to be a huge threat. I think he does add something to that offense. You talk about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Cameron Brake, Gronk, Ronald Jones, Fournette. That is an offense. I mean, that's an offense. If they get kicking and that defense is one of the best in the league, I love the Saints going forward. I just don't see how they find a way to win this one. I like the Bucks. I like the over. And I like the Bucks outright, obviously. Yeah, the the one separator here is the Bucks defense. Obviously, we've shouted out Todd Bowles. This is our weekly shout out to Todd Bowles. If he's out there listening, Todd Bowles, come through. Come to the podcast. We'll we'll trash the Jets together. This is a safe zone for you to trash the Jets. I have the Bucks covering this. 
Um, I think that's pretty easy. I was considering making this a lock. Um, I have the over just because it's pretty interesting, actually. I was looking a little more into the stats here. The Bucks and the Saints, neither of them rank in terms of yards per play. When you look at total offense, passing, or rushing defense, neither of them are in the top 10 in any of those categories. Pretty surprising. Both of them, though, are top 10 in terms of scoring percentage and top 10 in terms of points per game, where the Buccaneers, I believe, are actually – the Buccaneers are fourth in the league in points per game this year. Saints are seventh. So take all of that into account. What's the separator here? It's the Buccaneers' defense. They're the number one ranked defense – number two ranked defense, actually, in terms of yards, yards per, per play allowed. Um, they're especially good against the run where they rank number one. So they're going to make the, the Saints pretty one-dimensional. Also, they are second in the league in terms of blitz percentage. So Drew Brees is going to have to get rid of the ball pretty quickly in this game. So that's going to come into play when, when you're dealing with an aging quarterback. Obviously, Drew Brees can move, but he's going to have to move pretty quickly against, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul and, and the likes of those big guys on that side of the defense. So I think Bucks, by virtue of their defense here, cover. Yeah, I think we're pretty much in lockstep there. Um, moving on, we'll move on. Bucks played Monday Night Football this past week, and now the Jets played Monday Night Football. We have – the game, and if and if I was, you know, the ESPN, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like my advertisement would be: we have the 0 and 8 New York Jets heading bum, to, bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 heading to the two and five New England Patriots. We have Sam Darnold, maybe, probably not. He will probably miss the game. We'll have Joe Flacco heading to Cam Newman, who can't throw the ball 25 yards downfield. Yeah. So yeah, uh, New England Patriots head to the New York Jets. Seven-point favorite to the Patriots, which is about right. Over under 42-and-a-half. Jets stink. Jets stink. Um, and it's okay. If it ends up being – listen, the Jets are going to put them in a selfish spot. And I was talking to a friend today, and he said, I could see the Jets getting that number one pick and not ending up at Lawrence. And I got upset. I got mentally upset. And then he explained what that could mean. And if you're telling me – because the Jets wouldn't just pass up Lawrence, right? They're not going to just get the first pick and then say, we're going to take the offense tackle Sewell from Oregon. Not, you're just not going to pass up Lawrence. The plan would be you're either taking Lawrence or you're trading that pick for an absolute ransom. And I talked to somebody the other day who was a coach um, in college football, and I kind of talked about like the values. And I was like, well, what do you think you'd get for a guy like him? Like, I understand, like, generational talent. Robert Griffin got what he got. I was like, do you think there's more than Robert Griffin, less than Robert Griffin? He would say, I would have to be more, depending on where the pick's coming from, like what pick you're dropping to. Um, so it kind of entices me. I still want Lawrence. I still think even if the Jets find a way to win this one, which we just talked about earlier, I think as a Jet fan, it's the closest thing you have to being nervous about a first win is this week. Even with that, I think they would go 1-15 and 
and I don't think any other team, A, will go 1-15. And, and I don't think – because I think we'll talk about it later with the Giants. I think they pull it out this week. But The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I could see that. But I think if they were the team, I think we had the uh, tiebreaker over, meaning we would stay at 1, I think. I think the Giants were the one we had to worry about. I think our strength of schedule, like if we win one game at this point, based on the current board, I think we would drop to like fourth or something. Oh, Jesus. Well, it would be a devastating, yeah. a devastating win. Well, I know we would drop – I know for sure we drop behind the Giants um, because the Giants have something over us. But I thought the Jaguars we have – I don't know. I'm sure – let's not worry about that. Let's just focus on not winning any games. This week – That's right. This game, Jets are putrid. Again, they could sneak this one in, I guess, but I'm not going to put anything on that. I'm going to say Patriots cover. Um, I don't want to talk too much with the Patriots. I think they're a pretty bad team as well. And I think they're realizing, talked about it last week, that the Cam experiment might just be just that. It might be a one-year thing for Cam. Then they go, and I could see them drafting Mac Jones and having success with Mac Jones from Alabama. Um, I think it's a perfect fit for them, but we'll talk about that another day. So, yeah, I think Patriots cover. I think it's an under kind of game, messy, sloppy, stupid, and Patriots win this one. I want to start this by talking about – because I'm not going to pull any stats for for this game. This isn't going to be about talking about the spread, like what the against the spread records are – where the defenses rank or the blitz percentages. This is because this is a game in typical years that what week is this? This is week nine that week nine, Monday night football, Jets Patriots, you know, this is the game we all have circled on our calendars. We're clearing our schedules, getting ready to watch, trying to bring down Tom Grady and from for this game to go from, basically 100 to zero over the course of like two years like this is about about as awful of a game as you could have on a prime time slot as possible as as there could be I am very scared like did did Bill Belichick like whisper in Cam Newton's ear like at the end of that game being like please fumble the ball, fumble right now, fumble. Like, just to be like, okay, we're going to go 2-14, and 14, we're, or like 3-13, and 13, just completely let the bottom fall out and maybe not get the first picks, but take a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance and, and just go to work, or even that kid from BYU, Wilson, like just a guy like that and just, build an offense around them, build a program around them, and dominate a division that is for the taking, in my opinion, for again, for the next 15 years. This is as pivotal, pivotal, pivotal of a game in Jets-Patriots history for the opposite reasons. Because if the Jets win this game, I think it tells us a lot about what the Patriots are ultimately scheming up. The Patriots are going to try to make a play for one of those top quarterbacks, I think, regardless of even if they end up going 6-10 and 10 and are in the 
the 12th draft slot, I think they make a play for trying to trade up or figuring something out to get one of the, the top quarterbacks. I think the Jets, just by virtue of what I heard this week, the crap I heard coming out of Joseph Douglas's mouth, where he said Adam freaking Gase is part of the solution. I don't care. Like, I get he's your coach, and, like, you need to stand by him until he's not your coach. And for for him, he couldn't go into that press conference and say, like, you know, Adam Gase sucks and we're, you know, the hot seat is there because if you say the hot seat is there, that he's on the hot seat, then he's going to get fired. And he's trying to hold his cards close to him. As you've said before, too, he needs a scapegoat here. But for him to come out and say that Adam Gates is part of the solution, that was a little bit of an overstep, in my opinion, where that didn't need to be said. No one was asking for him. That wasn't like a standard defense of a coach type quote. That was like, he actually believes Adam Gase is part of the solution. So I'm wondering if Adam Gase gets fired all this year. We'll see. He's obviously not getting fired midseason. There was talks that if and when they lose this game, going into the bye, they would fire. So with that off the table, I think the Patriots – still win this game. I think the Jets are on a destiny with the tank, with the number one pick. Um, Patriots minus seven. It's a tough spread. I'm not going to get baited into the Jets spread again. So, pass minus seven. I've the under hitting here just because I think both of these teams are sloppy. There will be a lot of turnovers in this game. Jets obviously can't score. Uh, Patriots outright. Yeah, I think you're and that's my that's my bet. I think you're spot on. I think, uh, like you said before, it's a big game in Jets Patriots franchise history. I think this is more a big game in Jets franchise history because I think it could set the tone for the next decade. It's crazy to think that way, but um, it's weird. Part of me, if the Jets somehow won that game, I'd still get a little excitement because the Patriots. I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a weird individual, but it's it's in our blood. We're on a path for Trevor Lawrence, and I think that should make Jets fans excited. I think the one thing that people need to remember now, this is obviously uh, complacent with Adam Gase being fired, clearly. Um, This Jets team has a bright future because you think you can have a number one pick and put Trevor Lawrence. And when I say bright future, it's because it's pretty much an open slate. They have endless amounts of cap room. Douglas, what he did – was Ray basically only brought in guys that can bring in on a one-year deal. And clean your cap room next year. He has a multitude of draft picks that he continues to add to. It's the weirdest feeling of feeling like your team is a disaster. But I feel like in the last five years, I felt other years that the Jets were more of a disaster at times. It's the weirdest feeling. Because I feel like when they went 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, those couple of years, I thought they were in a worse place because they really had no direction. I think there is a piece of me that feels like there's something there heading upwards, whether it's the draft picks, whether it's the cap room, whether it's the new coach. And I think they're going to be a pretty good spot. I do. I, I think it's going to take some time, obviously, but maybe that's the op, 
optimistic person that I am. I don't know. This is this all hinges on whether or not we fire Adam Gase. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I think they will. I don't. I think it's all games. I think there is a chance he gets fired in the bye. I don't think that's completely, completely off the table. I know they may have said what they said, but I wouldn't count it out. But if he doesn't get fired in the bye, it's not going to be in the rest of the season because what's the difference between week 13 being 0-13 and week 9 being 0-8? Nothing. So it's going to be next week coming up or the end of the season, but I think he's gone. I, I hear too many people that are in the know in New York media that say it, and they would know especially guys who are close with Douglas, close with Douglas's guys. I, I just – there's too much there. Nick is working the sources, folks. I am working – You've heard I mean, it here. By working the sources, I mean I'm just turning on WFAN. But, yes, working the sources. The phones are always buzzing. Phones are always Call ringing. us. Call yeah. us with your big scoops. Call us the big scoops. We will put them on the podcast. Friend of the podcasts are always welcome. Todd Bowles especially. Now we go yeah. on. We go to the lightning round, and we will cue the music. And here we go. Here we go. Lightning round. It's fun times on this podcast. Um, starting it up, we have the Carolina Panthers heading to the 10.5-point favorite Kansas City Chiefs over under 52.5. Todd started up. This is my weekly shout-out to Matt Rule. Um, my weekly shout-out to Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson. But I think that the Chiefs will still cover this pretty handily. Um, Panthers are on the right trajectory, but still Chiefs minus 10.5 over and Chiefs outright. I think it's a little disrespectful to the Panthers here. I think McCaffrey has a chance to come back. I think Panthers have showed they can at least be competitive in games. I think this line should be closer to 7.5. I think it's a tough line. I'm going to take the Panthers here in the plus 10.5, and I'm going to take the I think points are scored. Moving on. We have the Houston Texans heading to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Houston Texans, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under is 50-and-a-half. I'll start it up here. I think Texans are an okay team. I don't think they're as bad as everyone thought because they fired their coach and Bill O'Brien turned them into a disaster. I think they have some, some type of blood here. The Jaguars are in bad shape. They will not even have Minshew. They're having, I believe, Jake Lutone is starting. If you had Jake Lutone on your quarterback bingo board this week take a drink take a drink take a take a drink i just took a drink um but yeah texans minus six and a half give me the points give me the under and give me the Texans outright. yeah i'd like to see you know ben denucci versus jake Wooten in the game i think that's what the nfl has been missing over these past few years um jaguars are on it date with the number one pick, a date with Destiny, so it's going to come down between them and the Jets. Um, Texans obviously have more talent. They shouldn't be one in six. Um, Texas minus seven. Texans minus seven. I've them covering um, under hits just because I don't think the Jaguars will be able to score any points with Jake Wooten or Wooten at quarterback and Texans outright. Yeah, uh, I meant to say seven on that game, by the way. I meant to say six and a half. Um, also, something to say this next game, Giants. Plus, uh, Giants heading to the Washington football team. Washington football team is minus three, over under 42. Also, to tell you something about how much they think Giants are going to win, they are boosting on DraftKings right now the Washington football team to win the NFC East by plus 450. Whoa. They want, wow. they want, they want your money pretty bad. 
But this game, as we're sitting here, I think Giants win this one. I think Giants showed last week they're competitive. I think they could be in these games. I think Daniel Jones will make enough plays to win this. He may make a mistake, but enough to win it. I do think it's low scoring. Give me the Giants and the points, and give me the under. Yeah, Giants are actually surprisingly a solidly mediocre defensive team. They're middle of the pack when it comes to defensive rankings. 13th ranked overall. I'm um, 12th ranked overall, actually. Excuse me. Um, but they're very good against the run. Um, football team, the Washington football team, doesn't have really a quarterback at this point. I have the Giants plus three. I think that's pretty easy take. I have the under just because neither of these teams can really score most likely. And Giants that right. Next game, we have the Denver Broncos heading to the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are three and a half point favorites. Over under 50. Weird game. I think both teams are in this weird spot where you don't really know what to make of either one of them. The Falcons have won games they shouldn't have. Broncos the thing. They both have lost pretty bad games too in there. But I think what spins out to me is that the Falcons have a good enough offense. When they're, when they're on, they're on. I don't see who's guarding Julio out there. They could be without Calvin Ridley, I believe, but I don't think that changes much. I like the Falcons here. I like the three and a half. Uh, they'll cover that, and I will take the under. Broncos are my my team for the rest of this year. I'll be rocking my, my John Elway jersey Sunday, most likely. Um, especially because the Jets won't be playing, so I'll have a reason to not wear Jets gear. Um, Broncos I have covering this game pretty easily. I have the over-hitting. Falcons defense is bad, 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 bad. And Broncos defense is top 10 in the league. So I have Broncos winning this game. Boo. Next game, we have the Las Vegas Raiders heading to the Chargers. Chargers are one-point favorites. Over-unders 52. I'll say it right now. Raiders are my lock of the week. I think Raiders wow. are an undervalued team. I think they are much better than given credit for. Um, they've had some really good wins on their schedule. They continue to play good football. They're getting healthy again. I don't see how they're one-point underdogs against the Chargers. I just don't fathom it. I will take the over. I'm taking the Raiders. Yeah, I have the Raiders. Covering at plus one and a half. I have the over hitting and the Raiders straight up. I think John Gruden will get his guys ready for a divisional matchup here. Chargers are basically Falcons West where they can't finish a game. And yeah, Raiders, I think, win this game pretty easily. Another interesting nugget there. Raiders have the highest scoring percentage in the league. And that makes sense. They had some big games. Next one. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers heading to the Dallas Cowboys. Steelers come in at 13 and a half point favorites. Over under 41 and a half. I think this is a low spread somehow. I don't I I, I, I don't see the disparity being that much worse between the Cowboys and the Steelers than it was between the Chiefs and the Jets. I think it's a lot closer than people think. I think Chiefs are in some trouble. They're not starting Danucci. There's talks they're either starting Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert, which is either way a disaster. Um, I like the Steelers to cover the 13.5 pretty easily, too. But this is a game the Steelers could just play with the Steelers and be weird in there. And the over, I think that's a low number. Give me the Steelers, give me the over. 
Yeah, Steelers, especially because they blitz quarterbacks so much, and who the hell knows is playing quarterback for the Cowboys at this point. Spread is probably a little low. Steelers covering, I'd be overhitting just because I think Steelers will probably run it up. Might have like a Claypool, big Claypool game, and Steelers, yeah, all right. It's wild. Before we get to the last game, just high bar here in I think we're, we're in a spot where there's some historically bad teams in the NFL because we've never seen spreads like this, and then for us to say a 13 and a half isn't enough is just simply wild. Final game. Indeed. Final game of the week, final game of the lightning round before we get to our midseason awards. We have the ooh, almost at Minnesota Dolphins, Miami Dolphins heading to the Arizona Cardinals. Dolphins come in at 4.100 dogs again. I said the first. Arizona Cardinals, four-point favorites, over-unders, 48. I like the Dolphins here. I think they play good football. I don't like Arizona. I, I know they won that Seattle game, but I just don't like them. I watch them play, and nothing about them screams that I should be confident in them. And I think Miami's played some really good games. You'll see later. I like them in different ways. Um, I think they could be a sneaky third wild card team. If Tua gets going the way he should, they won a game last week where Tua played awful against a good Rams team. Give me the Dolphins in the four. Give me the win. Give me the over. I think we're overvaluing what happened with Dolphins Rams last week. I think that was a little bit of an anomaly where Rams turned the ball over quite a bit and the offensive side of the ball. Tua didn't have a great game. I think they got fairly lucky in that game, but I also think this team plays very hard for Brian Flores and overachieved significantly, which is a credit to him. I think Cardinals, top 10 offense in the league. Kyler's a dual threat. I think Cardinals cover this, over hits, Cardinals straight up. Yeah, I just think we're undervaluing them. I think their signature wins have been big. Talk about the Rams, talk about the Niners. Niners, I know we're banged up at that point, but still. One of those touchdowns was a kickoff return, and the other was like a fumble or a block. Hey, that's okay. a win. I, I didn't say their offense. I didn't say their offense was good. It's just weird scoring plays. And they almost beat the Bills. The Bills had beat them to the last second. So. Well, Bills are fake, but okay. Well. Oh, right. This is the lightning round. Sorry. No, listen. Lightning round just ended. Lightning round just ended. We're on the midseason part now. So, midseason award, obviously, week nine. We want to get through our stuff here. Talk to you guys about uh, how we feel, how this season's going so far. And before we get into the awards, actually, we'll start with the awards. We'll start there, then we'll work our way out. First award we're going to go over here is the Comeback Player of the Year. Um, I'll start it off here. I think it's pretty simple. It's Big Ben. Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think he's been overly great, but I think he's been a guy that's controlling that offense, controlling the tempo, doing what he has to do, and... Obviously missed the year last year with injury. I like Ben Roethlisberger for this. Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty simple pick. There really wasn't another choice, um, especially when you consider kind of the guys from his draft class are kind of retiring or breaking down. So he's had a, a, an okay year statistically. Obviously, that team is 7-0, and so you got to give him credit where credit's due. And, yeah. I think they've been the guy here. Next one is Coach of the Year. I'll let you start. So I have a little bit of an interesting pick here, and it's going to go a little bit against what I said 
a few minutes ago. It's Brian Flores. He is the coach of the year. When you look at the stats on on Miami, they're like 18th in terms of total defense. They're 23rd in total offense, and they're above 500. It just is wild. A little bit of that, of course, is thanks to Fitzmagic at the beginning of the season, but you can't, it, it takes the right team for that to happen. Fitzmagic doesn't just happen on its own. You need the right group of guys around him and the right culture. Brian Flores comes from the Patriots system. Um, big defensive guys, as we saw last week. That team kind of got got to it, got around Derek Goff quite a bit, and they've just been figuring ways out ways to win games. So I think it's a, and I still wouldn't wouldn't rule them out from from winning the AFC East. I okay. think it's possible if if it's a, you know where the winner of the AFC East is nine and seven, it could very well be that. Yeah. So their team that's going to be hard to play every week, and considering the level of talent that they have right now, that's pretty surprising. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I actually, in full transparency, I'm going to give you a second pick because I don't want to keep doing the same one. I also have Brian Flores. I did. I think he's been awesome. Wow. I think he deserves it. If they can make the playoffs, of course, in some capacity, I think he gets it. But that's a big gift. But I'm going to give you another pick just to be, just to keep it a little bit from here. I'm going to say it's Mike Tomlin. I think I obviously know we don't want to go too high on the mainstream and go, oh, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin. But they're dominating the league. Mike Tomlin is dominating the league. And I understand he's got a guy in Ben right now that's playing very well. But Ben's not the reason why they're winning. That defense is the reason why they're winning. That culture is the reason why they're winning. Reason why they're winning. I like the Steelers a lot, so I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's doing a hell of a job there. And I think it's an obvious pick because he's undefeated, so it's hard not to. But it's different than an obvious pick saying like the Chiefs because he has Patrick Mahomes. Steelers just have been awesome. Give me Mike Tomlin. I'll, I'll give him the award. Of course, like I just said, Brian Flores is my number one. I'll give you a number two. Give me the option. Next pick here, next award, will be the Offensive Player of the Year. And now, of course, awards don't usually go like this. I think they go AFC Offensive, NFC Offensive. Break down that. We'll just do one for all. Um, AFC offense, excuse me, of course I say that. Offense player of the year. I'll start it up here. I'm going to say Derrick Henry. I think there's an obvious answer here, and he's probably my MVP, but I like to be a little interesting here. And I like Derrick Henry. I think he's pretty dominant. The reason why the Titans have been in a lot of these games. Um, and he is playing like the guy we see in December every year, but in September and October, Tractor Cito. I love Derrick Henry. I think he's going to carry this team a little further, hopefully. Um, yeah, I'll just play the other second. I have, I had two names written down. One of them was Derek Henry. The other guy I have written down, and we talked about Derek Henry, obviously, you just did. So I'll talk about the second guy that I think could be a little bit of a dark horse here. Maybe not necessarily a dark horse. Just when you look at his numbers and where that team is at right now, 
Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has, if things continue in this in a certain way, he might end up as a four thousand yard passer and a thousand yard rusher this year. Which there aren't a ton of quarterbacks in in history that have had that stat line. And if he has that stat line, and they go, you know, nine and seven, ten and six, I think. Yeah, you guys can't see it, but I am making a disgusted face right now. I am sick by what Todd just said. I'm almost pale. I feel pale. I feel sickly. Um, I don't. I understand statistically, but I feel like there's it's five and two. Five guys I would put before Kyler Murray as offensive player of the year. I would say Henry. I would say Mahomes. I would say Rodgers. I would say Wilson. Trying to go a little against the grain here. Listen, I like the number. I like against the grain, but I mean, Pat Mahomes is like it's, it's like with LeBron winning the MVP. Like you could just give it to him every year, but well, let's not talk too much about Mahomes. Go to the next awards. I'm sure we're going to talk about Mahomes. I am okay. Mahomes. Defense Player of the Year. I'll start it up here. It's Mac. It's Cleo Mac. I had to pick someone from that Bears defense. That Bears defense is carrying that team, and it's Phil Mack. I think he has six and a half sacks. Obviously, it's not, that's not anywhere near what he usually does. Phil Mack's a monster, um, and he's carrying that defense. Well, not, I wouldn't say carrying the defense, but he's the key player on a defense that's carrying the team. And I have to give him the award. I thought about TJ Watt a little bit. I also thought about Minka Fitzpatrick. I think he's playing an underrated season, but I'm going to go Phil Mack. It's Aaron Donald. Rams are the number one ranked defense in terms of yards per play, and they actually surprisingly don't blitz as much as you think. They're one of the lower teams in terms of percentage of blitzes or blitz packages they run. They are here it's like 21st, like 18th, 19th, 20th, somewhere around there, 21st. So for Aaron Donald to put up the the numbers he's putting up in terms of sacks and all that just shows that, you know, it's not that the, the offensive lines he's playing are getting barraged by a blitz. It's that he's just manhandling people and getting, getting to the quarterback. He's the main reason why that defense ranked number one in the league. And yes, the Rams have offensively kind of evolved from a super high-scoring offense in more of just an overall efficient offense, but they are becoming a more balanced team overall where that defense is something to really be afraid of. And that's all because of Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sit here and argue Aaron Donald as the MVP. I mean, against it, I should say. Uh, but you did say mainstream is an issue. And it was a pretty easy pick. It is time, it is time for the MVP award of the midseason. And I will let you go first, even though I feel like we're gonna have this. I don't know about that based on how you've been talking, Here but we we'll see. It, I I think it's Russell Wilson. Oh, uh, oh my god. I mean, when I think of MVP, and we've we've said this on, on the baseball podcast, on on the bump. Listen on the bottom of your chance because 
Listen, we have some subscribe. great stuff going on there. Subscribe. Yeah. Word subscribe. Show. Follow, follow on the bump EFN on Twitter. Buy a shirt. But back to football. Buy a shirt. Back to football. Russell Wilson, you take him off the Seahawks, considering where they are defensively and the division that they play in. The Seahawks are probably end up sub 500 without Russell Wilson in that division. So they need him desperately. The guy spends, and it just came out a couple a couple days ago, the guy spends a million dollars a year on getting his body prepared for the NFL season. He's just a monster. He he never gets flustered in in close situations, in high leverage situations. He he's just ready for whatever whatever gets thrown his way. And in a division where they play a lot of high powered offenses and some some quality defenses in the Rams. And across the NFC, there are some pretty quality defenses for for Russell Wilson to kind of hold his own in that in that space. It, it's pretty pretty crucial. It's the key part, obviously, of the Seahawks' success. It's, he's evolved from where he was, say, three four years ago when the Seahawks really were a run first offense with a top of the line legion of boom defense. So. Things have changed quite a bit there. Listen, I think it's the phrase I said. I made a reaction because I think mine is so obvious. I genuinely do. Um, Russell Wilson makes one or two really bad throws games. Look at how pristine he is, how good he is, how top class he is. Against Arizona and loss, he threw a really bad interception down the sideline in the fourth quarter. That may not cost him the game, but ends up factoring in. And he seems to do that once again. I remember he was specifically doing it last year against the San Francisco 49ers in a Monday night game where they tied the year. He's only thrown six picks this year and has a 72% completion percentage. Okay, let's, we'll go through those numbers then. So, my guy is Patrick Mahomes. And it is so stupidly obvious that it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, stupidly obvious. He is, first of all, 7-1. and one. 66 completion percentage, which is less than Wilson. I'll give you that. 21 touchdowns. One interception. One. One. Interception. He is on a page to carry to, to, to have success. 115 passer rating would be his career best. QBR 86.8 would be his career best. He's unreal. And I get it. It's so mainstream. It's so, of course, Mahomes. But he is. Like, you can't just sit there and say he shouldn't because he does it every year or did it last year. That's not fair to him. This guy is a beast. And he's on another pace to break records. 21-1 and at the midway park. Nuts. Just nuts. And... He's on a team that's probably going to go back to Super Bowl. I still think that. I think the Chiefs can't handle them. I mean, Steelers can't handle them in the AFC Championship. That's what happens. I like the Chiefs. Like Mahomes, he's my MVP. And with what I just said, I'm going to turn to you here. What is one thing you're looking towards the rest of the season? I'm probably a little biased here, but 
I think the race to the bottom is going to be fascinating. I think this is the deepest race to the bottom that we've had in years, where it's really a five-team race here. So I'm really curious which team is going to implode more. It's going to be hard to, you know, the, the Jets have a three-game-to-nothing lead here at the... It's the 04 ALCS here where they have a 3 0 lead heading into game four trying to get sealed the deal for the number one pick. So obviously things can happen. They might be playing Jacksonville here who could sweep four games, have, have Gardner Minshew steal second. But I think it's going to be fascinating. I think a couple coaches might get fired here in the next few weeks. And. Yeah, I think in terms of how this season's going to go on on the flip side of that with the good teams, I think it's pretty cut and dry there. So not so much excitement. And for the guys like me who are big on the Jeff's Twitterverse and tune into all the Jeff's Twitter nonsense, it's going to be fun next few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I think that's for sure. I think the one thing I'm looking forward to is someone to prove me wrong at the top. Right now, I have it as Steelers and Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and Packers and Buccaneers in the NFC Championship. I want somebody on either side of either side of the conference to prove me wrong because I don't see that switching. I think those are the four teams, the four best teams, and I don't think it's close. I think the disparity this year is between them. The top to the average teams are are high, is, is bigger than we've ever seen. I think you're seeing the top teams are really rising to the top, and I like I, I just want someone to prove me wrong. I want someone to change my mind about how I feel, and I don't think anybody's done that yet. So we will see. This was another great episode, another great episode of fantastic episode of the Pick'em Podcast. Um, we will, if you are a fan of DSN, you're a fan of what we do, we will be having some merchandise dropping. Um, my guess is probably Friday it'll drop, maybe tomorrow. Uh, we're working on all the details. All the money will be donated to charity as always. This year it is going to the National Brain Tumor Society. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, going to a good cause. Merchandise drops soon. As always, listen to all the podcasts on the network. Beyond the Ball Podcast, the Nick Barlotta Show, the College Football Unmasked, and much more. We, we were gonna we're gonna be looking into developing uh, a basketball show in the coming weeks because that's gonna be a big thing, and we want all the sports covered in here. So we're working, we're working hard. Thank you again, Todd. Great episode. Oh yeah, ready for next week. As always, we are ready for next week, and we will see you next week. Thank you, guys.